editor Matt talking to you now before we get to our main episode with an apology. I don't know what happened. Maybe we're out of sync with the call quality itself or something happened to corrupt the file afterwards. But yeah, I'm going to be talking over Ben in a few spots and not just because I'm being rude. You'll probably be able to tell in the few spots I haven't taken it out that I am responding to things before he's even said them. So I may be rude, but I am not psychic. So I can only apologize for that. And I've tried to edit around it where I can. But there are a few spots where it's just unavoidable without dumping like giant swaths of audio and having to re-record. And we're not going to do that. So apologies for this hopefully one-time problem. And now let's get to some knee-high mischief. Welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is our podcast covering 25 of our favourite movies from any given decade. And this is our fourth miniseries, episode 85, where we are covering 1984's classic Gremlins. Matthew, my co-host, how are you today? I am good. I have beaten the allegations, by which I mean the sound quality that often we've been able to mask at the expense of it making me sound incredibly quiet sometimes. Hopefully this is not a one-off and we can remain both fuzz and quiet free. But no, I'm good. I'm good. It's early, but, but I'm ready to talk little tiny gremlins. So you agree? Yes. This is a top Wait, one I just movie. said yes without even knowing what you were going to say. <laughs> a top one movie of the 80s, correct? A top one? Uh, no. No, I oh, don't okay. agree with that. Neither do you, because you like The Thing more than this. So don't even try. Yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't, like, this isn't in my like top ten of the decade. It is, it is a movie which I adore. Yeah. And it has, like, if we're, if we're like, like, slamming bumper stickers on it, it's, like, it's the Babe Award for, for Ben's nostalgia pick of the 80s. Yeah, I was going to say, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, and I assume you have, I assume we don't just pick up random people at episode 80-ish, and then, like, they just know, people, don't even people bother. People but... fucking love Gremlins. Maybe this episode's the one where we, like, blow up massively. Oh, uh, I hope not. Um... <laughs> but anyway, if you've been listening for a while, around a year ago, in our 90s volume, Benjamin really stumped hard for Babe as a five-star movie, and I just sound quite confused for an hour. <laughs> I think we have a Babe situation on our hands again, because I think Gremlins is good. That's it. That's when my praise ends, and you are wandering off into the wilderness into, to quote a text message I received from Ben this week, Gizmo for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, Gizmo fucking rules. Gizmo doesn't have a face. <laughs> Gizmo has a face. I mean, okay. Gizmo and it's can't a really make... expressive face. Gizmo can't make proper facial expression. <laughs> no, he can. He looks so sad when the other gremlins arrive. He looks so sad. <laughs> Fine, but like, Howie Mandel doesn't deserve good things. So... I mean, I'm not saying Howie Mandel deserves to win an Oscar. I'm saying Gizmo. <laughs> Gizmo, who's not a real person or creature. Look, I'm drawing the line. Give the Oscar... To the puppet, not to the voice actor. Right, look it up right now. Who was up for Best Supporting Actor that year? And I want you to tell me explicitly which one of these real human boy actors you think is worse at acting than this little animatronic puppet. Oh, I know exactly who I'm going to say, and you're going to be so pissed off, and it's going to set up next week so well. 
Don't so you've got, do it. <laughs> you've got Eisenhower for the Killing Fields, Adolf Caesar for a soldier story, John Malkovich for Places in the Wild, Ralph Richardson with a posthumous nomination for Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, Dear Lord, that's a long title, and of course, Pat Morita from The Karate Don't Kid. Don't you fucking say it. I would cut Pat Morita from The Karate Kid. I will cut you, is what will happen. <laughs> Kremlin is a Christmas movie, Ben. I don't understand why people rail against this concept. Like, it's more explicitly a Christmas movie than most of the movies people are like, oh, yeah, this is my favourite Christmas movie, when they're just trying to be, like, ironical. But a side note, I say ironical so much that I think people think that's what I think the word is. So I need to stop that. (laughs) Gremlins is definitely a Christmas movie, but I have to imagine a lot of people who rebel against it are doing it because they're like, no, Christmas movies have to be nice, and they have to have the message of Christmas, and they can't be dark, and they can't feature old woman murder, (laughs) and they can't feature one of the funniest monologues of all time, Phoebe Cates delivering the monologue of what happened to her father. She cooked her dead dad in the chimney, yeah. (laughs) Stripe just says, die Billy, and wields a gun at the end of this movie. (laughs) And then the second one, they're like, hey, what if they were wacky? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I remember Stripe able to wield complex machinery such as chainsaws and tractors. If you put me in a tractor, a human with full dexterity and five working digits on each hand, I don't think I could operate a tractor. <laughs> I mean, I operated a tractor like eight years old. I think you'd be all right. Did you? <laughs> yeah. My, my grandparents okay. on the farm. So. Okay. We may need to delve into that more at random times. I've seen that one episode of that Jeremy Clarkson show where he has a farm. I can't stand him, but that was actually kind of funny. He couldn't operate a tractor and he drives many cars, so... I mean, there's lots of things you just need to be pointed out, like this, like this handle makes yeah. you go Yeah, who tells them that? And this, for me, it <laughs> right. was an uncle. exactly. So, you had a person telling you. They are little gremlins who just got in and intuited it in ten seconds. I don't think they intuited it. I think they just... You think, you think your uncle came and told them to drive a tractor? <laughs> No, I think they just they just wreck shit. <sighs> they wreck care. shit, and coincidentally, it makes the tractor go. Yeah, exactly. um, this is going to be a ridiculous episode, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we can do some proper context Sorry, yes, if you want to do some proper let's context. Let's be very proper about this. Tell me, you kind of accidentally did it all last week. Oh no, I'm talking to- oh, of Gremlin's context. Gremlin's context. Yes, tell me about the very real, very artistic way in which this thing came to be. Yeah, so Gremlins, as we all know are famously a RAF kind of, like, myth about kind of, like, if something goes wrong with your plane, especially back during World War Two, the thing that you would say would be, oh, Which did. they condense down to racist man wandering around drunkenly rambling to himself about foreign things. Cool. Yes. <laughs> that, that, so, yes, so the, the only person who actually calls him a gremlin in this movie is... An ex Air Force uh, pilot, I believe, or ex ex army. He's he's ex something, I believe. I feel like after he said it, they're like, oh yeah, then then it's right, kind right. of free reign. But like they have the explicit hat tip to this is a militaristic yes. thing. So that is a a kind of like infamous urban legend within the within the Royal Air Force. Roald Dahl, famous racist, misogynist, fatphobic, yep. children's all author, all the things. <laughs> Key key cornerstone of and mine. and mine. Basically, pitches writing a book about the Gremlins, mm. which of all places ends up in the hands of Walt Disney. Obviously, <laughs> where he makes a children's book about the Gremlins. They are like little green men who are little scamps on train mm-hmm. on planes, specifically um, planes. And then, obviously, the Gremlins kind of the book is a big hit. It sells really well. They they are planning to make it into a movie or like a short movie or something like that. And but because of the success of it, it ends up in 
stuff like uh, there's a Merry Melodies cartoon where Bugs Bunny fights a gremlin on an airfield and stuff like that. And, and from there, the myth kind of like permeates into the culture. And I think probably the most famous example of gremlins in the pop culture before this movie is, of course, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Right, of course. Which is the which is the, the Twilight Zone episode of yeah, William yeah. Shatner, which is the one that is I think like every single time they do a new version of the Twilight Zone at this point, they include Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet. Like it's in the Twilight Zone movie, which Joe Dante worked on. It's in the most recent, I believe, version of the Twilight Zone reboot that they did. They did a version called Nightmare at Thirty Thousand Feet, which was a story by Simon Kingberg and Jordan Peele with Adam Scott in it as well. So like it, that, I feel like it, before Gremlins. The movie, movie is the most famous version of the story i mean and you can tell it's famous because it gets parodied on the simpsons with the gremlin on the yeah. school bus which is an, a, another all-time great i gotta uh, say i did Halloween not know all these things were so explicitly linked i just thought gremlins were just a thing uh, i didn't know it follows this it's all like Roldell writes the book they do a kind of like a Bugs Bunny yeah. short, and then it becomes this bigger cultural thing. There's all kinds of stuff that references Gremlins, but Gremlins really only have a half-life of kind of 80 years in the popular culture, where like Roald Dahl writes his book in, I think it's 1943, and then everything after that is kind of all because he's brought it to light, essentially. And then this movie comes about because... I can't remember if it's Joe Dante or Chris Columbus, because Chris Columbus writes the screenplay. Chris Columbus, obviously most famous for directing yeah. Home Alone, directing the first Harry Potter movies, <laughs> directing the, the Christmas movies with, with yeah. Kurt Russell, yeah. or directing one of them. Yeah. Writes the screenplay, which is basically like, he got the idea from at night, he was in his loft and he basically heard loads of mice scampering around. He also clearly has the general concept of like, I don't want to call it low stakes because like people for realsies die in this movie, but like... I don't know, whimsical little chaotic mischief. You know, like, you can see the straight line from this to Home Alone, like, you know. Did he write the second one? Because that's the one where there's uh, even more explicit Home Alone antics, because you've got, like, fucking Gizmo making office supply weaponry. And <laughs> no, the second one is written by Charles S. Haas, okay. who has three film credits. Yes, and obviously Jordan Peele's character co-wrote that movie <laughs> vegetable gremlin this movie gets made they pitch it to spielberg spielberg's just like this sounds fucking dope <laughs> let me be on a bike let's make- riding around in the background <laughs> let's make this into a movie and yeah and they get joe dante who at this point is kind of most famous for directing the howling i feel like this movie kind of sets him up for the entire rest of his career mm. like yes the burbs kind of comes out about six years after this movie but like you look at what he does in the 90s, and it's Gremlins 2, it's Small Soldiers, and it's Looney Tunes yeah. back in action. And there is like a very straight line between this movie and those yeah. three movies. And it kind of like speaks very much to what his comic sensibilities mm-hmm. are and what his horror sensibilities are, which is he likes or he's he's really good at small scale yeah. chaos and humans interacting with things much smaller than them. <laughs> and also, he really fucking likes the Looney Tunes. Yeah, which kind of fits those categories as well <laughs> small chaotic things <laughs> yeah. interacting with humans yeah it's very interesting that both writer and director i don't want to say they made the same thing three times in a row but kind of <laughs> so yeah so gremlins comes out in 1984 same day as ghostbusters yeah obviously that that day would be in like november december right ben given the the christmas <laughs> motif obviously you want to 
make that all match, brand synergy, all that stuff. It's weird to think that Ghostbusters doesn't come out in October, mm-hmm. and it's weird to think this movie doesn't come out in November, December. Yeah. But instead, because these are like big budget, because they've got like big names attached to them, because like I th- and I feel like the big name for this movie is obviously Spielberg. I feel is, um, is the thing that's kind this of this is a ratio of Mushroom the dog. Dog is called Mushroom. <laughs> that's adorable. Yes, yeah, Spielberg riding around on an incumbent bike like a maniac at the convention. <laughs> And then you've got Judge Reinhold, who I assume is here purely to be like, hey, remember Phoebe Cates? <laughs> like, yep. Because Judge, Judge Reinhold is in it for what? One scene? Two scenes? And then just fucks yep. off. I was like, why were you here? <laughs> Probably some reason he's in the first Santa Claus movie. <laughs> okay. And then he slowly becomes like the, the third lead of those movies yeah. over the trilogy. Yeah, he's in the, San- the first Santa Claus movie. A decent amount. And, like, he comes oh, I back. I think you miss No, I'm forced to watch that very he's all, bad he's movie in all three, and then He's in all three, and then he shows up at the very end. Yeah, exactly. Well, he comes back, one. at least, at the end of the movie. Sure. Like, in this, he's just in he's it just and he's very... gone. Yes, he has this one scene where he's like, I'm yeah. a dick, but I make That's what I mean. Movie. Like, where is the version of this where a gremlin hilariously kills him in some sort of weirdly ironical, like, misogynistic way or something? I have to imagine this movie kind of did get cut to yeah. ribbons. In something like like there's probably more stuff on the shooting room floor because they're like right we want this to be kind of a hundred yeah. minutes long we want there to be as much chaos as possible I mean and I think when I think you watch- can feel that in the beginning in the end to be honest because like mm. this smacks of somebody being they've shot the movie they're not quite sure how to begin or end it it's a bit rough someone is like mm, I've got an idea and then they just deploy some like bad narration and like weird cut the credits just appear mid-screen out of nowhere and it's it's so strange <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, yes they do i mean like his dad like takes the mogwai off the kid and then is just gone and then you hear narration of them having a conversation that they clearly did not have time to have while he walks in slow motion because clearly they didn't shoot enough footage to cover the length of the narration you know charming in a weird way but very odd and then you get and then you get like 15 straight minutes of small town drama of like oh this guy's he's a good kid and he's, he's trying to help his parents and oh he likes the girl and oh here's the local dickhead who teases him and none of this matters <laughs> I really, I really like it because it it gives this chaotic energy to the whole thing that I just really, really yeah. love. Where like once the gremlins turn up, nothing else matters, and the movie <laughs> is just like it's just wallowing in it. Like the the, the scene at the bar with all the gremlins. How in bizarrely just chaos long mode. that scene is before you reveal that Phoebe Cates was there the whole time. <laughs> like they kill everyone on site, but they're just hanging out, puppeting their own little puppets and doing flash dance routines and then you and then we whip around and oh Phoebe Cates is just behind the bar. Yep, serving them drinks. Oh god, I love I love the, the like uh, the like noir gremlin who sat there with his drink and, and then the other gremlin comes in with his hand yeah. and this is the shit that I'm here for. Mm. And so I think it's important now to ask like so when yeah. I grew up, uh, my family had an awful lot of those kind of like Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes, yeah. co- like short film collections, like left later in the house. Like I'm pretty sure Chuck Jones was one of like I couldn't say why, but I could always tell when a Chuck Jones short I was watching. 
and I'd be like, I like his style. I like I like the way that he makes these. Like, I remember I'd always get excited when like the Tom and Jerry short film collections would have like a stretch of the Chuck Jones shorts. And the same thing with with his obviously like his Merry Melodies are like some of the the greatest pieces of animation ever made. And I would mainline those as like a young kid. And I think that put an awful lot of kind of like when this movie gets full chaotic like that, I'm just having the best fucking time. Well, not to upset you, but I think the last half hour of this movie is not very good. That's After fine. his mum like psycho murders three of them in shockingly violent fashion, it's like from there onwards I'm like ah. Eh. From there I'm like maybe I'm a Gremlins two guy. See that's the thing. I think there is the popular opinion nowadays that Gremlins two is is the better movie because Gremlins two is is more buck wild. It's kind of a little bit more tongue in cheek. It's a little bit more mm. aware of the limitations of this thing. And I I really really like Gremlins two, but for, but Gremlins one is the one that just like is for me the nostalgia. I, I, Respect like, their commitment to doing the exact same what if they went to a movie theatre and caused chaos joke twice in a row, but the second time, now featuring Hulk Hogan kind of thing. Um, yep. I mean, fair enough. Where else are they going to cause mischief? I don't know if Gremlins 2 is a better movie than Gremlins. I haven't seen Gremlins 2 in a long time. I'm probably slightly more nostalgic for Gremlins 2. I don't know if I just... If it was on TV more, because it, you can get away with a... I don't know if it's actually a lower age rating, but it would certainly be much easier. In the UK okay. it is. In the UK it is. It's like Gremlins 1 is a 15, Gremlins 2 is a 12, I think, yeah. or like a PG. I mean, I guess no one's wielding so a gun less. and saying, die, Billy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, I think we, we alluded to it earlier on this miniseries, but like this is one of the movies that forces the creation of the PG-13 yeah. racing rating. It's like, like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is obviously the big one, but then this movie being another Spielberg one, he's just like, Spielberg literally went to the MPAA yeah. and was like, we should alter the, the rating system to yeah. allow children to see this because you watch this movie and you're like, no, there's there's a lot of stuff in here that, that kids would react to and i think that's that's very much true in that i don't think gremlins has any of the tale that it does have if it isn't being held up by 80s kids yeah there's no getting around it the mogwai are fucking cute yeah like i'm sure warner brothers are sat here i mean i mean we know this for a fact but warner brothers are probably sat there going like holy fuck this is like our merchandising moment we have something to complete with compete with the ewoks we have something for furbies to rip off yeah, like the fact that this movie makes $212 million and they get a sequel kind of like six years later, which feels that a bit too really late to make late. a sequel. Again. <laughs> I did not know it was that far yeah, apart. Like, it's 1990 as Gremlins 2 comes mm. out. And obviously that, is, that movie is also so many more merchandising efforts, but like it's also a complete and total commercial mm. bomb. But the Gremlins are still something that is being pushed by Warner Brothers in this day and age. Like The, the Gremlins are in... <laughs> Multiverses. They're in multiple, well, like, yeah, so, so literally I think, like, two days ago they announced Stripe as a playable character in the in the Warner Brothers fighting game. <laughs> a game that doesn't even have Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings representation yet, even though it's been, like, yeah, massively, massively but it has rumored. LeBron James and Batman. Where else are you going to get that, that combo of characters? Well, that's, yeah, because that's the thing, is because even, even in Space Jam New Legacy there are gremlins, including ah, Stripe in that. Okay. I think Stripe, Stripe has become the face of the franchise a little bit more than Gizmo has. Mm. Like, obviously Gizmo is, like, adorable and will be now and forever but like if you're looking for something a little bit more edgy something a little bit more like kind of fighty that you can chuck yeah. into stuff like yeah you don't still... want Gizmo in his little headband with his little paperclip bow and arrow do you you want Stripe you know. 
fucking shit up. Because yeah, because Stri- the Grim- I think Stripe is also explicitly in like the Lego Batman movie, <laughs> and like it, it's one of those weird moments where like the Lego Batman movie is kind of like the all-time great villains, and then the Gremlins are also there, where it's like we've got Sauron, we've got the Daleks, we've got Voldemort, and also the Gremlins <laughs> are here to, to cause a little bit, of, a little bit of mischief. Mm. <laughs> uh, remember the Lego Batman uh, movie? Yeah, good movie. I would never have one opinion about it and then a different one a few years later and then force everyone to write a listicle just so I can shitpost about it. Anyway. But yeah, Gremlins, it's got a weirdly outsized cultural footprint for what is mm. just kind of like what could have been a one-off yeah, I mean, horror movie. It, it, like, it's a huge fucking thing. I know multiple people with a gizmo tattoo, like their own little Gremlins memorabilia and, and you know, Gremlins is one of their favourite movies and, you know, it is quintessential to, to the childhood of those of us of a certain age yeah i mean there's a band called mogwai <laughs> like... there are who literally like they 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 called the band mogwai and then they were like we'll come up with a better yeah. name later and they haven't come up with a better name <laughs> later and now they are like they've done multiple film scores they've done like i wouldn't say they're like hugely successful nah, they're, they're they are respected well known in like... music circles i would yeah. say yeah there's no stripe band I mean, unless the White Stripes are named after Stripe for some reason. <laughs> he does have a White Stripe. <laughs> but it is funny how, like, Ghoulies and Troll are, like, so explicitly riffing off of the energy of these movies. Probably, like, skewing it more into horror than, than yeah. what this movie does. I, I, I guess where our disconnect with each other on this movie is coming is... I am here for all of the gizmo stuff, and they're like, "Ooh, here are the rules, and what happens when oh, we, this, we, we this, need to and do our this." Rules. And I am less here for like when the actual gremlins have actually shown up and things have actually fully gone out of control. Like the the early stages yeah, see, when it's like you know biting the scientist's hand off and like what's in these pods and all of that. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But when there's just like a thousand of them and they're just causing very tiny mischief, knee high mischief, if you will. I'm, I'm, I'm less into it. <laughs> See, that's where I think the movie is in, like, like operating in, like, Top Gear. I'm like, yes, into this. Like, this is this is where I'm sat there, like, just... You say that, but the entire, have you the seen the scene where Gizmo is singing and playing the keyboard? Because yes, that's... It is the most adorable thing. Top Gear, IMO. <laughs> okay, if I'm ranking, like, how this movie is structured, it's basically, like, number one, any scene with right. Gizmo. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. 1A any scene with more than one gremlin okay yeah then like three is like the humans <laughs> i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah you're not rooting for billy to get the girl four is like one-on-one gremlin action because like stripe's still pretty cool but like he's just a little bit of a menace because he keeps on getting away with not being murdered while everyone else gets yeah. murdered it was really helpful of them to all just pack into the movie theater instead of there being you know hundreds of them that would be impossible to corral if they just scattered into the wind and kept multiplying they really like snow white they really like snow white. yeah it being snow white is a bit odd like i don't know if there's a reason for that but like why would these little murder I, machines I love have, I, snow white so much well that's the thing is because like, you kind of thought think it would be like was warner brothers yeah. you've got chuck jones in the movie as like yeah they as would his, love like, some bugs bunny shit yeah give me like duck and luck give me <laughs> give me like what's opera doc like throw one of those yeah. up on the screen instead they really like the dwarfs and i i don't and maybe it's because they're little as well but i'm just <laughs> Imagining, like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> okay, I'm back on board, yeah. I'm just imagining like Spielberg going to Disney and saying, like, right, this movie might get rated yeah. R. We're fighting to have a PG-13 rating. Can we please we, include Snow White? Do we know if there's a reason he doesn't want to direct it, but he is fighting so hard for it and, like, champions it and is in it? 
I think this is just like what Spielberg's up to in the 80s. I think Spielberg's just having a good time because he's also going to do that with Back to the Future yeah. where he like he's a massive, massive proponent of Zemeckis and whatnot. I, mean, I, think, I, like, I know he, he has spent a good chunk of his career like giving people leg ups, but like at a certain point when you're like so involved... Why not just direct it yourself, man? I think he just—I think he just likes movies, and and obviously, like he does that with yeah. Poltergeist. Like he sets up Poltergeist, he champions the director, and then ultimately ends up ghost directing with that thing. <laughs> wow. And so, so, but I think it is just what Spielberg's eighties was—was just him going like, I have the opportunity now, as not as an elder statesman, but as like one generation removed, I've done some of the most respected movies of all time. I'm going to find that next generation of filmmaker and I'm going to give them their dues. And so his 80s is like him doing the Indiana Jones movies is kind of like what his 80s is. Because it literally, it starts with Raiders of the Lost Ark and it ends with Last Crusade. Mm. And obviously in between then he starts to want to do more adult fare like Colour Purple yeah. and whatnot. And obviously that all culminates in his 1993, which we will discuss where he has Schindler's List in Jurassic Park. And then after that he sets up DreamWorks and then he basically uses DreamWorks as well to to fund his movies and also to fund other filmmakers. I just think it is something that Spielberg is genuinely interested in mm. doing. And so, and uh, yeah, and obviously he trusts Joe Dante. I can imagine Spielberg seeing the howling and going like, this is a guy who... I need to give more money to and a bigger platform to and find out what makes him tick in the same way that I'm sure he's watching stuff from Zemeckis like used cars and going like this is a really interesting filmmaker let's give him his leg up into working in like actual big budgets because like the, the whole thing with with Zemeckis and spoilers we'll get into that later on in this miniseries is Back to the Future in an 80s podcast come on but yeah like he, he, he Spielberg keeps on giving Zemeckis chances that keep on bombing and then Back to the Future is the one that like finally fucking hits and from there they're off to the races and they kind of like diverge paths because Zemeckis has kind of like ascended into his own level of filmmaking now and I feel like it doesn't happen with Joe Dante like Joe Dante he has opportunities obviously like The Burbs is probably the other movie that we might have discussed from the 80s if we if we were picking a Joe Dante movie your opinions on The Burbs have um, you? Tom Hanks sure is good cool <laughs> <laughs> which again is like black black comedy which fills in in the vein of this like he's very much like a black comedy vaguely special effects kind of driven mm. director as you can tell from from how this movie is but he never gets that level of joe dante doesn't do the 90s awards run to kind of like win an oscar like as Zemeckis does but also he's not as protective of this franchise like he doesn't see the franchise as his baby i don't think columbus sees the franchise as his baby mm. either because obviously there's the hbo max animated series that's in the work at the moment say, i mean it's it, it, really shocking that it's it's another one that's kind of laid dormant for a weirdly long time so i think we are overdue something i mean it, if it survives the hbo max bloodbath that is happening right now what's well, the thing is like it hasn't been announced as being cancelled but like they already premiered the first episode two months oh, okay. ago have you seen it no 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 they, they oh, did it at right, like a sorry, film festival right. so like so like they premiered it two months ago and but they've delayed it from 2022 to 2023 mm. and it's just one of those things where like is it so far along that they can't cancel it or like are they able to to cancel at this point it's it's in a weird state but apparently it's going to be like it's going to air on Cartoon Network as well as on HBO mm. Max or maybe just so, on Cartoon Network <laughs> or maybe just on Cartoon Network get some of that linear ad money <laughs> Gremlins is obviously something that a lot of people are thinking about because you've got like Seth Graham Smith was like asked to reboot the movie. Zach Galligan was kind of like saying that they were going to do a sequel to to Gremlins two, and like none of these things happen. Instead, Gremlins is kept alive, as we've said, like through people just chucking it into stuff the way they can. Yeah, and like a never ending love of of any kind of memorabilia you can get for it. 
little figurines, little plushies, little whatever. And then, yeah, Furby's just totally aped them in the... <laughs> They they really are like an, a, a a very similar thing. Have you seen Mitchell's first machine? Uh, I've seen like three quarters of it. Don't ask. <laughs> but you've seen the Furby scene in um, Mitchell's first machines. I assume then. I don't remember it, but I probably <sighs> Furby scene. I mean, I watched like half of it like almost a year ago, and then a bit more of it. Yeah, it was not a good way to watch a movie. <laughs> No, it's not. No, definitely not. Especially not a movie as dense as that, with just so much things. Oh, uh, wait. In the mall, where, like... In the mall, where the furnace comes alive, and they start, like, they're worshipping Satan or whatever. Good fucking scene. Right. Gremlins. I think the most famous thing to come out of this movie, apart from how cute Mm. Gizmo is, is obviously, and it's the thing that Gremlins 2 riffs on so fucking hard, because it's so easy to riff on, are the rules. You must have rules in the 80s. You must have rules in the 80s, even though the rules don't make how do they know it's if you cross a state line or or like you know into a different time zone do you buy another hour of feeding time do they know when midnight is have they got the world's best body clock when is it set to like even if you're in like one of those weird states (laughs) where like on one side it's one time zone on another side it's like a different time zone or like it's so it's so large that it's all the same time zone but like functionally you should be in a different time zone when you get to the other side how long after midnight are you safe again isn't it always kind of after midnight <laughs> yeah like like it's the rule that makes no sense like it works for this because obviously the only thing is like they feed them like five minutes after midnight but is it like it would make more sense if they said when the moon yeah, is at its yeah, highest yeah, point yeah. to when the sun comes it, up again it feels like, very cool. cautionary tale like hey kids don't eat you know like or, or old wives taily stuff which is like predating the concept of a time zone and, and that kind of thing yeah a weird one but the other two but, um, but like sunlight sunlight yeah, and water got like it. fine they, they Get it, make got sense it good. i think it's actually kind of funny that the, the energy of the opening scene you were just waiting for the dad to be like silly chinaman give me the weird furry thing and not pay <laughs> any respect to any of the warnings and he's actually quite reverent to them he's like oh yeah yeah this is all very serious you cannot do this you cannot do that and then there's almost this implication that all the chaos happens because he's out of town because like he goes on another trip yeah, he's not he's not around. He's... billy like completely fucks up over and over again and then he arrives just as it's all settled and it's like i'm not saying he would have solved it all but like you know I don't know. It's just kind of funny. You're expecting this guy to be a doll. And he's actually kind of... I mean, he obviously makes these ridiculous inventions and, like... Yeah, the thing is that Dad Spectre looms large yeah. over this entire movie. That, like, Dad has opening narration. Yeah. The kid is like, oh, my God, $200. I'm like, I don't... If, you, if the store's got this many problems, I don't think $200, $200 is going to affect much. We can't be turning down $200, Grandpa. I don't know which Chinatown yeah. he's in, but I'm going to assume he's in, like, a Chinatown in, like, San Francisco I mean, that's or something. The, and, like, yeah. rent, rent ain't cheap yeah. there. Well, maybe it was in the 80s. I don't know. It's now the most expensive place in the world to live but yeah and then i don't know if this is a i mean maybe it's an all of them thing again like you see this popping up but like the fascination with weird little gadgets i think spielberg has that i think columbus has that i I guess dante has that a little bit as well the thing i like about this movie is Half of the gadgets in this movie, I don't, obviously, made in 1984, <laughs> I am I am not yet born, neither no. are you. I don't know whether or not these these items already existed, and the dad is reinventing things that already exist, or if this movie is just so prescient that we're going to live in a world in which we want orange juices, and we want, like, little portable ways that we can, like, get clean on a plane. The bathroom or, buddy like... is hilariously <laughs> oversized and clunky, and, like, 
it looks heavy. And he's like, oh, this is going to save you needing heavy suitcases. It's like, we're talking about a fucking toothbrush and a fucking <laughs> razor and these relatively light items. That thing looks heavier than all of those things would be to just hold in your hand. It's a prototype. He's going to, like, work it down, <laughs> get it down into, like, like how it's going to actually work. Uh, but, like, he's made a coffee yeah, machine. Um, I assume coffee machines existed. or like, But is that the joke? I don't know. <laughs> It works because so much of it is slapstick mm. and watching them go hilariously wrong. Like when he squeezes one orange and then all of a sudden it feels like all the orange juice yes. in the world. 900 oranges worth of pulp flying in his face. My favourite is the like answering the phone from a... Di- and like it, <laughs> she like presses it and it seems to work and then she goes to talk and it stops. It's like, I think you need to hold the button the whole time, but... And then her answering, like, oh, no, 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 it works, it works. Do you think 80s and 90s movies are, like, where our obsession with Rube Goldberg Goldberg machines (laughs) came from? Because, like, they're in so many movies, especially kids' movies, because obviously, like, maybe Home Alone is, like, what causes Mm. it later on, but, like, I'm just thinking, like, there's so many 90s kids' movies where there is some contraption that does something and there's, like, a big, long shot of, like, watching something or something else mm. yeah probably something to do with that but like i'm and i'm sure smart people than both of us have kind of like delved into it but like it is hey, funny. no one is smarter than both of us <laughs> yeah combined. exactly between your legitimate intelligence oh. and my something pep oh dear but yeah, as you said, like the, the, the opening of this movie, when it's just kind of like Billy chilling with, with Gizmo, is just kind yeah. of cute. Yeah, and like, truly, I'm sure they actually say how old Billy is, but like, he is simultaneously like 25 and like 16. <laughs> yep. Like, I get the feeling like he's, so Judge Reinhold says, I'm 23 years old. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. <laughs> How old was he in I would bet. Born in 19, he was born in 1957. Oh so he's 27 years old. So he's playing playing a little bit. People lot, just looked real it, old it? back then, didn't they? They really <laughs> just did. a lot of they? road they really, miles really on did. some people. I was going to say there's no way he's under 33, but wow, 27. <laughs> okay. I think Phoebe Cates is like legit actually kind of young. Yeah, but then Zach Galligan is obviously like... It feels like he's supposed to kind of just graduated from mm. high school. So he's born in 1964, so he's actually 20. Okay. So he's actually kind of playing Again, like... Again, that looks can... like a, like an adult-ass adult. Like, he's got like this... He's got the energy of like, this is my first job yeah. post-graduating. I didn't go to college. I'm just trying to like find my way in I'd the world. I'd love to move out. I feel like I need to support my mother and father. Because um... <laughs> my father is incompetent and will not find a job that actually pays the money. It's the 80s, so my mum doesn't he... have a job. <laughs> Although she should work in contract killing, because my word, she just slaughters some gremlins, doesn't she? She's so good. She's yeah. so good at it. Just microwave, blender, and then one of them just fucking stab it. <laughs> but yeah, like you, you were right earlier on when you were talking about like Judge Reinhold being yeah, a dick yeah, yeah. and kind of like the way that he says like I'd have fired you if if not for that. And but then you have Mrs. Deagle. So yeah, you have like Judge Reinhold doing his thing, being yeah. a dick, but it's all in service of Mrs. Deagle, who is one of the most cartoonishly yeah. evil characters ever put to screen. What makes it so funny is like the movie is setting you up to like really, really hate her because she's like, I want to kill that. Yeah, because it's yours. quite extreme to launch <laughs> this older woman out of the roof of her home to her certain death yep. and making that into like, ha ha, good, is quite a feat. <laughs> It's quite a feat, and they they achieve it in how genuinely malicious she is in the early going of this movie. I think every single word out of her mouth is like some of the most hateful (laughs) bullshit you've ever heard in a movie, and I think think she's Um, great. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like Polly, Polly, Polly Holiday is her name. I think she's just got like a great mm. energy for this, for this just kind of like maliciousness. She actually, uh, oh, she won Best Supporting Actress at the, the Saturn Awards <laughs> that year. That's a yeah, great. There chance. you go. You didn't get Gizmo, but you got her. I got her. That's the most conflict in the early going of this movie is is her being evil and like Billy trying to think of like how he's going to get out of it. Like, where's the dog going to go? And then him, him and Gizmo just chilling in his in his room is just kind of like an undercurrent of everything until fucking Corey Feldman <laughs> spills water all over Gizmo and ruins everyone's lives. <laughs> little Pete, very nonplussed by this weird little alien creature. Oh, cool. No, this is like nothing anyone's ever seen before. <laughs> Why is everyone so chill about it? But yeah, no, you're right. He, he does just straight up spill the water on it and then gets bored of the damn thing and just fucks off over to the other side of the room. Which, I mean, I can't, I, I don't know if it was like actually said by some of the people, but it really does have the energy of kids who get bought puppies for Christmas <laughs> and then get bored of them. Yeah, yeah, which like feels like what the shopkeep is like afraid of in the first place of like, oh, I must have a mogwai for Christmas for my son. But yeah, like just completely disinterested in him. I mean, maybe this is what life was like in a pre-internet age. Now we've seen everything and we've seen the wackiest shit you can possibly imagine. Maybe you'd be like, oh, this is just what dogs are like in another country or something. I mean, if someone brought an eye out in front of me, I think I'd be like sufficiently just kind of like, holy fuck, that's an eye eye. They've got such yeah. big eyes. Yeah, but here's but, a Mogwai. But in terms of, huh, so it, cool. Oh, no, I, 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 like, I would I know. be like, can I have a Mogwai? I want a Mogwai. And then you find out you can breed them through water. Like, yeah. oh my god. Peltzer's, wait, um, what's their so, last so, name? Peltzer? Peltzer pet. A Peltzer pet. Like, who's going to call it that? So I guess my question mm-hmm. is now. So obviously, Gizmo. Lovely, well-behaved. Yes, good boy. Like, declines, declines food after midnight. Sits in bed with his 3D glasses. Reading good boy, books. plays by the rules. He plays by the rules. Do you think he was trained by Mr. Wing to be good? Or do you think he is inherently good and the other gremlins are just like... Like, they could yeah, be so like, groomed into being like Obviously, well-behaved when they become creatures. the full-on gremlins, if you want to distinguish between the Mogwai and the gremlins, or if you just want to say they're all called Mogwai and then gremlins is an affectation. But let's say the little green man are the gremlins and the little furry adorables and mogwai the gremlins are obviously full-on evil are the other mogwai other than maybe stripe are they evil like it seems that they're like ever so slightly more manic than gizmo but they're mostly still kind of nice but also it feels like their one their one driving force is to eat after True. midnight and gizmo knows like it feels like, like that, that yeah that's like explicitly the thing that they're they trying, are, to, like, trying to yeah, do yeah. But like, or is it just like Stripe is the one who's trying to get them? I mean, it could be they're brand new. You know, like baby creatures are less well behaved. They don't know no better. Gizmo's been taught some manners. (laughs) Yeah, their internal instinct is to just like must consume food, must consume food. Nom nom nom, and then I go into my pupil state and become evil, evil (laughs) demon. Um, quite traumatic. Whenever any of well, when it happens to Gizmo, at least when he gets the water on him and more of them pop out. Little Gizmo doesn't look like he's having a good time. No, he doesn't. It's really, really upsetting. I have very distinct memories of being very upset by the other gremlins being mean to Gizmo. And I think it's actually coming from gremlins too, because I kept waiting for it, and the closest it gets is when they put him on the dartboard, which obviously isn't fun. But I feel like in gremlins too, there's a far more explicit, like, they're being really mean to him kind of scene. They're always mean to yeah. Gizmo, but then Gizmo dresses up like Gizmo gets yeah, dressed up like yeah, Rambo. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's where it's coming from, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe the trauma bonding of, of being upset by a movie when I was young makes me 
cherish it more. But I also think this is a good excuse to start talking about like the insane voice cast for yeah, <laughs> for these Optimus guys. motherfucking so Prime. <laughs> Yes, Optimus. Howie Mandel yes, is Gizmo. Whatever. Yeah, like he he does a good job, but like kind of yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Welker, Frank Welker, Frank Welker the the god described. of I mean specifically animal noises. Billy West is always like he could do a dragon with a cold, or he could do like a flock of 12 geese and he's the fourth goose and you would know which one was him and just anything. I mean, most famously, he's Scooby-Doo, he's Fred, he's Megatron, <laughs> he's Nibbler. And these are his biggest roles, but like, yeah, every voice actor fucking has the biggest hard on for how good Frank Welker is at his job. So of course they get him to be a little chittery creature. I, rem- <laughs> I remember hearing an anecdote about like the Scoob movie that came out in 2020 when they were like the one that the sequel's just been cancelled for and they were explicitly yeah. trying to like make it into a uh, Hanna Barbera kind of like crossover thing so they've got like Blue Falcon in it and Dick Dastardly and stuff like that and so like they, they were going to be like oh we'll do like the Flintstones Johnny Bravo? Like, this <laughs> They were casting around for, like, young comedians to come in and, like, voice Scoob. Because, obviously, they recast everyone. Like, it's yeah. the only piece of Scooby-Doo media, media that doesn't have, like, an actor from a yeah. previous thing back. And, like, they were like, right, you, you need to do Scooby-Doo. Don't think about what Scooby-Doo sounds like. You can you can do whatever you want to do. Sound like yourself. Sound like a young comedian. And then, ultimately, when the movie comes out, they're just like, we went back to Frank It's irreplaceable. But just imagine asking all these people, like, do something different. Do something, like, new. Make, a, make, make Scooby-Doo for the 20, 2020s. And then they're like... What are you going to do? <laughs> a poochie voice. <laughs> Maybe that would work. No. But yeah, you've got Michael Winslow, the man of a thousand voices, <laughs> is doing some of the sound effects. You've got Peter Cullen, Jim Cummings. Yeah, Jim Cummings another, like, you know, somehow he is both Winnie the Pooh and, like, all of the gruffest voiced people in the world. <laughs> he is, like, smokes 50 a day, like, metal drummer type guy, and he voices, like, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Eeyore and all of that. But then it's so funny because you can really hear... He's the one that I can always, mm. like, hear. Because obviously, like, it, Jim Cummings and the actor who played Winnie the Pooh beforehand, mm. like, I did all of the old Disney movies last year. And the the voice actor for Winnie the Pooh beforehand obviously did an awful lot of voices. He did, like, Car yeah, in the yeah, Jungle yeah. Book and stuff like that. And he has, like, the most distinctive voice in the world. Just, just kind of, like, very yeah. soft-spoken kind of thing. And you can hear it with Jim Cummings as well, where, like, you, his Winnie the Pooh does sound very similar to his Pete, yeah. even though he is doing an awful lot of modulation in his voice voice and it's like this is relatively early on in his career if he's going mm-hmm. uncredited yeah. in this one i assume yeah absolutely any any others uh, that like so... jump out to you any Batman animated <laughs> series people well i mean some of these people i think jim cummings is in at least one episode of Batman animated series um you got bob bergen in here who is the modern voice of porky pig I don't know if I've referenced it on air, but I've definitely talked to you about it. Um, there's a documentary called I Know That Voice by John DiMaggio. It's just about voice acting. It's just like an hour and a half of like every voice actor you can think of. Just And it, it's delightful. They're just riffing and, and, and doing voices. And he comes across as such a fucking prick, but he's so good. And I hate that. Because he's like saying how like... He's like teaching how you do the... And he's like, and now I've got job security. And it's like, oh, shut up, dude. Because um, he's like, only I can do this. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's there. We've got a couple of people who like are like pre the era of animation that I think a lot of people know. Like Michael Sheehan and, and people like that. They're like 
early 80s, like, 70s type voice actors. But, I mean, Peter Cullen... The the guys who are, like, the guys who are, like, doing the voice works in, like, old Disney movies before animation (laughs) becomes, like, really widespread and cheap in the 80s where they're pumping out, like, like Saturday morning cartoons and stuff like that. But um, Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime himself, very wild he's in here. (laughs) If no one has ever heard it, there is a specific voice clip from Transformers that has always haunted me. And it's him being like, Autobots, roll out. Not you, Bumblebee. And Bumblebee doesn't even get, like, (laughs) the full... He's, like, most of the way transformed, and then he collapses back down into a car. And it's the funniest shit, and I don't know why they wrote it. Autobots, transform! Not you, Bumblebee. Anyway, I'll maybe link it in the description. (laughs) Please, please do. Anyway, the voice cast is fucking insane, given that they're just... You could get away with having the same guy do all of the gremlins. <laughs> I really want to know who does the, um, again, the, the, the hand puppet gremlin. I is, would assume the just... moody gremlin is Cullen, personally, but I don't know. <laughs> hand puppet gremlin is my favourite, because I also watched the clip from Big Fat Quiz of really? the 90s, where Mr. Blobby comes on. <laughs> God. Which is one of the most, like, demented three minutes of television I've mm. ever seen. It's the guy in the Mr. Blobby costume. It's one of his, like, last big, like, televised appearances. And he is just fucking going for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he is, like, jumping and screaming and, like, doing pratfalls yeah. and, like... You know how, like, every six months, some absolute moron goes viral on Twitter? It's like a... It's a British person who is posting the least appealing looking food you've ever seen in your life and being like, mmm, good home-cooked dinner. And it's like <laughs> pale and shitty looking. I didn't season the chicken. Yeah. The chicken, I boiled it. <laughs> and like, you know, 10,000 Americans are like, why is Britain still eating like it's World War Two or whatever? And you just, you're just like, you have no defence. You're just embarrassed for your whole country. I'm not saying that's how I feel about Mr. Blobby, but the concept of anyone <laughs> outside of the UK who didn't just grow up accepting this thing exists googling it and seeing it i'm like i i have nothing for you i'm sorry this is a weird thing objectively that we all just got used to (laughs) so for my fifth birthday three years pre-tractor okay got it (laughs) we just we had three mr blobby cakes for everyone (laughs) and i was like everyone must have mr blobby cake obviously we must we must dismember (laughs) this this thing and eat it communally. Yeah. I mean, I had, like, a Thunderbirds cake. I had, like, a giant calculator cake. No Mr. Blobby for me, though. Oh, I remember the yellow spots tasting really good on the Mr. This Blobby cake. It just sounds I'm oddly sure... filthy. <laughs> In a way, it really shouldn't. <laughs> I'm sure it was all just fondant, mm-hmm. but, like, boy, I miss Mr. Did they still do Mr. Blobby cake? <laughs> This is this is the These questions. These are the burning questions. I guess I should have expected this through the podcast. I guess the most off the rails, given it's Gremlins. But <laughs> you can order Mr. Blobby cakes to be handmade, but you can't buy them at the supermarket anymore, which is a damn it's shame. Too late. When this um, podcast is the one that blows up and our media empire starts, they're going to come back. We'll, we'll get Mr. Blobby cakes back just for me. I want. I, look, if anyone wants to send me a Mr. Blobby cake, I'll set up a PO box and you can send me a Mr. Blobby cake. <laughs> smart, smart PO box. Get that extra level of security between you and the weirdos. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so then the, the movie just kind of like the heat. I mean, you've got the stuff with, like, you know, he takes it to a scientist. Well, yeah, but, but, but Billy takes him to the scientist. And, like, I don't... Is it Gizmo? No, he it's takes one of the... Take a, like, a random one? He's like, and this is one of them. Because the, the one he... Yeah, the one he takes is, like, almost enjoying being dripped in water. Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, one drop from a pipette makes one. 
and then later on we'll have one fall in a fucking swimming pool and it's like oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah like this is this is kind of the movie operating at its most yeah. horror like all the stuff with with Glyn Terman as yes. the scientist is all like shot like a proper yeah. horror movie like he leaves the food the gremlin eats the food he finds it like he has his hand bitten and like is chased through this room in the dark and, and I love the, the tension like, of like it like kind of escapes in the middle of a class in like a room full of kids but then they all get dismissed before he can investigate it and then he's left alone to get murdered by it i think all of that is really really well shot yeah and then the movie kind of like it gives you the obviously the gremlin reveal mm. is when his mum comes downstairs yeah. and like sees it just kind of like stuff. And, yeah and then she just goes she fucking ham like... and like kills them all in the most like it's so violent like, you go in the microwave <laughs> it's the one that she just you have your yeah, head it's the off. one that she just fucking stabs repeatedly with a kitchen knife or, or, or bludgeons or whatever she does to it and then you know one in the microwave one in the fucking blender like and you're like oh okay one this... the, well, one's head not yeah the fire. Like, okay this one this isn't gonna be so bad like there were like six of them and she's just killed four of them and then billy just <laughs> straight in the swimming pool <laughs> Gizmo in his backpack, all very cute, you know, running around in the snow. And then, yeah, we just, now we suddenly have a thousand gremlins. And the shot of them all walking out of the darkness looks like shit now. But the rest of the movie, the gremlin puppeteering is really good. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, my rant needs to be, like, the fact that, obviously, I understand why the effects nominations this year at the Oscars are, like, Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters, and 2010. Yeah. But, like, this movie really should be in there just Why for just do they always only do, like, is. three movies for, like, makeup, visual effects, sound, like, all of that stuff? And then I, they do, I, like, I, five, six, seven, up to ten these... Or is it lowered from ten these days for Best Picture? Uh, so, so this year was the first year in a while where it was, like, mandated to be right. ten, I think. But, like, previously it's been any movie that gets more than 5% of oh, the right. votes gets in up to a limit oh, okay. of ten. So, like, quite often it would be, like, you get, like, seven or eight yeah. nominations. And they, we, we we haven't had ten in kind of a decade, but this was the first year where, like, they went to the yeah. full ten. But all these um, lesser categories, they mm. just... I've, I think I've seen one where there were two nominees. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Yeah, like, like the, the reason Suicide Squad wins Best Makeup is because it's, like, literally one of only two nominations or two, three nominations mm-hmm. that year. And it's just kind of like, I guess it was the Best Makeup, but, like, come on, guys. I just... Like, <laughs> There are more than, especially these days, where, like, everything is VFX. You've got to be able to get, like, five at least movies together for special effects and, and makeup design. And then, you know, we're doing more of this stuff than we've ever done. And I think they are getting up to okay. five now for the for those categories. But, like, you look at the early days of the Oscars and, like, you look at 1942 and it's, like, 12 nominees for special yeah. effects. <laughs> And then they go down to two, and they just kind of like fluctuate. Well, I think three was the locked in up until about 2010, and then they expanded out to five. They just have come to associate special effects with like lowbrow, like like shitty art. Like you you can look at some of the shittiest movies in the world, and they still have like incredible special effects. Like I don't, I don't want to like credit Zack Snyder stuff. I mean, some of the stuff in his movies looks like absolute shit, but some of it looks fucking dope. Like. I mean, that's the thing. I'm just trying to see if there is like another movie from like if it were, like like Dune comes out in 1984, mm. Neverending Story comes out in 1984, Terminator comes out in 1984, yeah. and you're telling me that like Terminator shouldn't be on like your special effects mm. list? Like Terminator's doing some really really impressive stuff for how small yeah. the budget of that Maybe movie we'll is. Maybe we'll talk about Gremlins it. Gremlins is doing. Weeks. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe we will. Gremlins is just doing some like absolutely insane yeah. puppeteering work that is obviously like doing a hat tip, but like there are scenes where like every single character on screen and there are like more than kind of twenty or thirty of them are just fucking yeah. puppets. Some people put in some fucking work here and they just have some recognition, quite frankly. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, it's like the early going of these gremlins is like kind of the culmination of all of the plot of the movie where it's like we're gonna kill off Mrs. Yep. Deagle. We're going to finally give you the like Phoebe Cates is finally going to deliver her monologue, Such which a again, bizarrely dark. I mean, I know the movie isn't actually in. You know, we've talked about it. Like this is clearly not aimed to be a children's movie, and then sort of like becomes a kid-friendly franchise through sheer force of will and popularity, and kids seeing stuff they shouldn't see a bit early, and people who grew up with it then showing it to their kids, all of that. So it's not like trying to be a kids' movie. But, like, that is so oddly dark compared to even all of the rest of it. <laughs> like, her dad yeah. I, 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 was trying to dress as Santa Claus and come down the chimney, breaks his neck and dies instantly. They are waiting for him for days, and then they don't find out until she tries to light a fucking fire. And, and I, I'm my yeah. reading is she cooked his fucking corpse by accident, <laughs> but... No, she said she she lights the fire, but she said that she okay, smells yeah, the corpse yeah, yeah. in there. So like she goes she goes into the into the like chimney well and can like smell the. Uh, I think my it, favorite part it, of that it, is Billy is clearly not listening to her. <laughs> <laughs> this is your crush, dude. At least pretend. I like that they tried to get another moment like this in Gremlins uh-huh. Two, and like I can never remember what her monologue is in Gremlins Two. It's similarly like really really traumatic, and it's one of those things where like Gremlins Two taking the piss out of like this first mm. movie but like this first one is just like to me like pinnacle like this is one of the scenes that i think of when i think of 80s movies like i adore it and i'm i know that i'm fucked up for adoring it but like it it to me is just still it is so, so weirdly like of a time and like you just don't see this kind of bizarre monologuing anymore <laughs> someone would be like why is this in there and they were like no yeah, yeah. fuck it <laughs> And that's the thing is like the movie, like every supporting character we've met apart from kind of Pete and and Judge Reinhold have like some kind of run in with the gremlins. Like obviously you've got the running beat of like Jonathan Banks as like the deputy police officer like in the car and stuff like that. Just showing up and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's chaos for a little bit. And then the movie kind of pivots hard into that last half hour, as you say, where like it's all gremlins all the time. And your enjoyment of it is going to depend entirely upon whether or not you like the gremlin shtick and the gremlin shtick, which is isn't kind of malicious and mean and just kind of more I don't like puppets. dislike it I'm not like this is all bad and I hate it I just I stop like enthusiastically enjoying it I'm like okay we're just doing gremlin stuff now <laughs> yeah it, it very much pivots into being like an entirely different yeah, movie yeah. and I really like the different movie that it pivots into <laughs> being it's just quite funny that it loses all the horror trappings it loses like all the small town I don't know if it's like it's just... like the rule of ninjas you know like one ninja is like scary and like 50 of them are just fucking cannon fodder so it's like when you can't yeah. see the gremlins and there's a finite number of them they're terrifying and then when there's a thousand of them it's like ah look at the fun guys having fun even you know like they do fluctuate between like doing a murder and then like hey let's throw popcorn at a screen this is the height of chaos I mean, I'm just just because you said ninjas. I'm thinking of like you only live twice, the Bond <laughs> film, which ends with like fucking armies of ninjas, except they're all just people who don't yep. look like ninjas. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call that the seventh most problematic thing in that movie. 
<laughs> yeah, and then, like, as I said, like, conveniently, they all decide to congregate in one area so they can be mostly all killed and just leave it down to a one-on-one battle with Stripe, who is oddly resilient. Oh, Stripe, this, the, the final fight with Stripe is, is really good and also another kind of, like, like Gizmo, Gizmo gets, gets in the little tiny car. car and it's fucking adorable. It is. I like the, like, uh, and um... Then... Yeah, no, like the old-timey movie dialogue playing while he's driving around with this fucking grim rictus of, of lack of expression. <laughs> Just eyes going left to right while this emotional dialogue plays and he's driving his tiny car. I don't, I am love, I on board of Gizmo for Best Supporting Actor? I think we should be. Not over Pamarie to that. The way it's shot as well is shot so much like those old, like, driving yeah. movies. And, like, you have the scene of him, like, there's the shot of him driving underneath the, the dog's legs, and then they play it from his perspective, but it's so badly done where, like, it's really fuzzy and, like, in the background, but you can just about tell he's driven through yeah. the dog's legs. And then Gizmo saved the day. He opens up the, the blinds in the in yeah. the store, and Stripe has the most gnarly death we've seen yeah. since uh, Raiders of the Oddly, incredibly. Like, I guess they just were like, this will be fun for us we can do like a gnarly death scene and the fucking thing takes forever to melt and die and does multiple pop back out to scare people moments it's super fucked up i love the skeleton yeah. where like you think it's going to come for one last scare and it just kind of like runs across the ground and it's bubbling away yeah yeah and then mr wing comes along and chastises the westerners for for not being able to take care of the mogwai and then i leaves. straight up forgot he takes it away from them <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, well, there's a Gremlins too, like... so clearly. I and mean, they, they set it up explicitly. Maybe one day you'll be ready and Mogwai will be waiting and, you know, buy Dilly and all that. But I was like, oh, yeah, he just takes it away, doesn't he? Yeah, because, like, Gremlins 2 is, like, I think the shop's being condemned and I think Gizmo goes to try and yeah. find Billy is how the is how that one opens and obviously they get locked yeah, I was inside. Like, Wait, does Billy, the... like, talk him out of taking it? Nope. <laughs> Off he goes. Nope. Fully gone. Fully gone. Right, we need to do our Gremlins 2 side. Okay. Up. Vegetable uh, Gremlin. Obviously, Vegetable Gremlin. Like, what's your favourite Gremlin in Gremlins um, 2? Oh, God. <laughs> Spider Gremlin's really fucking creepy. Spider Gremlin is really creepy. I really that like Gremlin that Gremlin turning into like... a gargoyle is, is, is... But also, like, doesn't he break through the wall in the shape of the Batman logo sure because it comes out a year after Batman? Does. <laughs> <laughs> in true, like, Saturday Night Fever and airplane fashion. What yep. was... Brainy Gremlin's Yeah, also Brainy really Gremlin fun. is pretty great. Like, what is that voice? And he's, like, got the talk show and everything. Brain Gremlin is voiced by Tony right. Randall. Yeah, gotcha. And then, yeah, I'm not willing to look into it. I really hope there isn't a generation of people that want to fuck Lady Gremlin. <laughs> but it's the internet. I mean, right, so there is Lady Gremlin in Gremlins 1. Yeah. Is Lady Gremlin in Gremlins... Like, in Gremlins 2, explicitly, there is, like, a sex change <laughs> potion that they've got in this, yep, in this trans place. Rights. Um, Gremlins we... 2 says trans rights. <laughs> No, right. So that's a potion that does it against oh, its sorry. will. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Is Gremlins one trans rights? Yes. The Gremlins know that gender is a performative social construct, and they will not be bound by such trivial rules, and they will express themselves how they see fit, whether that be through sex changes or puppeteering. Your response, um, please. Also, uh, I agree. <laughs> If you if you like Gremlins two, then I implore you to watch the Keen Peel oh sketch, God. which is genuinely incredible. Um, I watched just so good. I I watched it once, and my partner came in just as the punchline was playing and demanded I rewatch the entire and scene all over again. Just of so this year. and I did you so because raging sociopath. <laughs> 
Jordan Peele is so good in that sketch. Yeah. Like, I think, I, and like, I don't know if it's a hot take, but I do think the best Key and Peele sketches are the ones that let Jordan Peele off, off yeah. the leash. Have you seen the one where he's like, <laughs> we're just going to talk Key and Peele now, but <laughs> Rap Confessions. Yes. Also very good. The Outcast one is one of my favorites as well. Um, <laughs> For whatever reason, Gremlins 2 has become like my touchstone That's Key so, and Peele it's sketch. Just, it's just perfect. Uh, electricity Gremlin, you, sir. <laughs> Oh, not a smart you just man. set him now, and Gremlin, you are you are like a child. <laughs> anyway, um... Gremlins two sketch potentially as good as Gremlins two the movie, especially with the like the final fucking moment of that sketch where it goes like none of this will be in the movie. All of that. I'm off to put some cowboys in Back to the Future three. <laughs> uh, right, <laughs> right, Gremlins. Uh, Look, good movie. Good movie. One, one of my childhood favorites. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you're stumping for this quite as hard as you are, babe. No, I think Babe makes me right. cry, and so therefore I've got like an emotional attachment sure. to that one. Whereas Gremlin just makes me like have the warm fuzz. Like it's a movie I associate with Christmas, yeah. and it's a movie I've got like a lot of nostalgia for. Both of them, I'm very much like someone can come to me and say like I think that's like a like a a three star movie. I'm like cool. I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> like there are lulls. Yeah. There are things I don't like absolutely love but like the feeling i get when watching gremlins or the feeling i get when watching babe is just of pure joy that i can overlook a lot yeah. of flaws i will and say like, it's one I think of my favorite all, christmas movies yeah and we, we all have those movies where like you can acknowledge faults but like they don't really ding the movie overall yeah. and i'm pretty sure <laughs> how dare you a fucking day <laughs> next week is going to be a very similar case where you will be able to acknowledge the flaws there are no flaws in the Karate Kid, Benjamin, <laughs> is the problem. Yeah, okay. To be honest, I'm just excited to do my Cobra Kai rant. That, is that the only No, it's not the only reason, I genuinely. It is a lightning rod of, like, influences on me. And just sort of, like, it's glorious, like, shithousery and, like, yeah. We'll talk about it. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm going to be going enthusiastically about something where you're like, yeah, but this 40 minutes is kind of shit. And I'm like, yeah, but in a good way. <laughs> Man, it's a, sh it's a shame that like we're recording this tail end of August when you won't have had a chance to see season five of Cobra I, Kai. I don't need to see Cobra Four. season five of Cobra Kai to know what's going to happen in season five of Cobra Kai. Yeah, but like, I feel like it would make your rant better if it was like no, a really good or like, really bad rant... season hinges entirely around season one versus every single thing that has happened after season one. <laughs> right, when it was like a YouTube yes. phenom versus when it became a real television yes. show. Yes, everyone look forward to it. Is it Netflix it now? Is Netflix, is Netflix the people now. who make it? Yeah. Wow. From YouTube Red? Yeah, YouTube yeah. Red. YouTube Red to YouTube Premium <laughs> to Netflix. <laughs> Remember YouTube yeah. Red? It's, it's the pathway all creators dream of. An idea you had to Warner Bros. Discovery deleting it from the universe. <laughs> We shouldn't laugh. Very right. sad. Very fucked up that it's <laughs> happening. Oh, yeah. It, it, bad, 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 bad. Yeah. Right. End of episode. Matthew, thank you for being here. And as always, I have one of question course. for you. Will there be more? Only if you don't get them wet after midnight. I, I feel really gross saying it, and I don't know why. <laughs> Bye. No, they don't. They're supposed to eat after midnight. Don't, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Let me just recap right now. It's Brainy Gremlin, Spider Gremlin, Bat Gremlin, Lady Gremlin, Googly Eye Gremlin, Electricity Gremlin, Hulk Hogan's gonna be in the picture. I'm gonna throw in a Gremlin myself. Vegetable Gremlin, just write it up. I'm having so Why much not? fun, thank you. It's all gonna be in the actual film. Now I gotta go put some cowboys in Back to the Future 3. Sayonara, y'all. Oops.